0: you're listening to angel nears the podcast angel nears is a silicon valley community for startup builders where founders and operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups i'm your host Ole kuchikov and our guest today is jos van westetham jos here is uh, the ceo of Remeo, the most interactive remote team events and collaboration platform uh, that we've seen. We're really excited to bring Yoss on to talk about VR and uh, the metaverse and how they're poised to kind of reshape the world of work, including cra- collaboration, experience, uh, training, and engagement. But before that, let's get into to, to Yoss. Tell me, uh, where are you from? And then and, and we'll dive into kind of how you got started as an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks, firstly for having me, Oleg and yeah my my journey started in South Africa, where I grew up, and toward the end of my bachelor's degree in engineering, there was sort of two main things that happened that changed the course of my life going forward. Uh, the first thing, uh, I helped my dad install a solar panel solution at our house, and uh, right after that, a friend and I actually started a company doing that as a service just because we saw how easy it was and this was really where the Uh, entrepreneurial bug really bit me, and I realized how much fun it is to work on your own venture. Uh, The second thing that happened was around the same time, I had a taste. uh, I had my first VR experience with Oculus DK2 and completely fell in love with it. And yeah, that's that's basically the start. Uh, Ever since then, I dabbled quite a bit in creating VR software. And um, after this undergrad degree, I wanted to do a post-grad degree related to VR. And I realized that uh, machine learning was sort of the best degree to go into because it would play a major role in mixed reality in the future. Uh, So I got an opportunity to go to Cambridge University, where I completed a PhD in machine learning. And yeah, after finishing this PhD, uh, a friend and I started a company based on or in the field of natural language processing. Um, And that was a really fun, fun experience. But the problem was we didn't see the traction that we needed for that product. And after going back to, uh, I guess, our our core passion, which was VR, we experimented with a new Quest 1 headset back at the time and just realized that this is the future of, or could easily draw the line from here to the future of uh, compute in XR. And uh, basically we decided back then, hey, Let's restart the company, pivot into this VR space, and fast forward a couple of years, now we have Remia and multiple happy customers.
0: Very cool. Well, I'm kind of taking it, I don't know, taking it back is the right phrase, but um, you were on a Quest 1. It's kind of uh, really interesting that you were on that so long ago, because it seems like today so many people are talking about this, but uh, it seems like you were on the trend a little bit early. Do you know what year that was? You were were. Experimenting with VR the first time.
1: So the first time I had a taste of VR was in 2014, and this was with the Oculus DK2, the Development Kit 2. So this was still one of those headsets you had to plug into a computer. Uh, it still blew my mind completely. The second time uh, I referenced uh, the, que- the Oculus Quest here was in 2019, and this was, uh, I guess, this was while I was living in SF. A friend had this headset, and yeah, we, we played a lot of games, tried a lot of the new features that they released. And that's really what, what got our minds and ideas rolling over.
0: And you mentioned how you got started as an entrepreneur. You kind of caught the bug early. Can you tell me a little bit more, double click on that. And, and like what kind of startups have you been involved with?
1: There's, a, there's quite a few. Um, none of them serious enough that I would actually uh, publicly call them startups, but they were fun nonetheless. So the first one I mentioned... Yeah, experiments. The first one I mentioned was before doing the PhD, and this was the solar panel uh, company. We ba- we called ourselves Off the Grid, and it was a modular solution that we could go to any house or big complex and just help them get off the grid using solar panels. Um, and then shortly after making a bit of money there, I went to go start the PhD. And because this bug had bit me um, at my time during Cambridge, or during my time at Cambridge, I. I got involved with the entrepreneurial scene there and got involved with uh, a smart group of friends who all dabbled in various different startups. It ranged from uh, a smart city startup to uh, social media apps to uh, a lot of like self-driving or machine learning based startups. And then when I reached the end or when I finished my degree, I had immediately known like, hey, this is startup is the the thing I'm going to do right after the PhD. And uh, we also knew sort of from experience and seeing other successful friends do and do startups and raise money that San Francisco was the place to be. So myself and a friend flew over to San Francisco and we're actually pretty fortunate. Uh, within the first week of landing in San Francisco, we managed to raise $100,000 from a Sequoia Scout um, for this natural language processing idea that we had. And yeah, then we hit the, the ground running and just carried on working on a venture from there.
0: How long did that last, and and uh, what year did you start uh, uh, Remyo?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was we flew over to SF October twenty eighteen, and uh, so ran that that natural language processing company for a little over a year. We went to TechStars with that idea, TechStars in Seattle. We raised our first round of funding on that idea as well, and and got some traction. But in the end, we realized this is not. the the pace of traction that you really need. So the time when we realized that we're not getting the right amount of traction was towards the end of 2019. Um, so about just over a year in, and that's when we started uh, not pivoting, but well, you can call it pivoting, but sort of exploring a bunch of different ideas because we still had a lot of cash in the bank, uh, still had a lot of ideas to test, and we were a small and nimble team. And yeah, that's, I guess, we tried a bunch, there's a whole, a whole deeper story here, but over three months, we tried probably 20 different MVPs. And some of them had legs, but what the real thing we realized and learned in that process is that even though these ideas could work, we weren't passionate about it. And it's not something we saw ourselves working on for the next 10 years. And that's when we fell back to our roots and said, hey, the one thing we've always talked about is this whole AR VR space. Let's just get very serious about this. And uh, luck, fortunately, um, when we started getting serious about it, we also saw a lot more traction than we saw with any of the other ideas. And yeah, that's so we, we started Remyo early 2020, um, before COVID, actually. I would say like January 15, 2020.
0: All right. Well, you seem like uh, somebody who, who cares a lot about uh, well, AR, VR. It sounds like a great idea. Can you tell me what you see? Why, why should people care about, you know, virtual reality and this metaverse? Why is it more than just like a gimmick? Uh,
1: I guess a lot of people on this side of the camp have about this space. First, maybe I think a good point to start is maybe just define some of the terms here. So the first one there is metaverse, which is relatively new, actually, in terms of how hyped or how, how widely used it is. It was first coined by Neil Stevenson in his novel Snow Crash. And basically, it refers to the 3D digital world that people can interact in. Uh, Now, I guess one part of this is that 3D multiplayer games are early versions of the metaverse, in a sense, um, with a final version looking a lot more like a digital universe in which people can not only play, but they can also work, learn, and socialize. And uh, virtual reality, the other term we use here, is... Uh, the technique of completely immersing a person in a digitally generated experience, and some people believe that this is the ulti- ultimate medium with which to experience the metaverse because it's the most immersive form and then I guess to your uh, to your question why should people care about this or or sort of where does this go? I think there's a lot of different opinions on this, but the one that's that's commonly shared is sort of that XR which XR is mixed reality, which includes both virtual reality and augmented reality, would become the next computing platform that we use all the time. So if in the future we have glasses that uh, are extremely comfortable to wear and are often enough to replace your computer monitor or your mobile phone, then you could just wear those all the time and use it for doing work, any social interactions or digital social interactions, and any metaverse interactions.
0: I've never heard XR before, but is it kind of switching between VR and AR? Because I, I don't really understand how it could be both. Because like virtual reality is totally immersive, right? And AR is kind of like we're overlaying the real world in front of you with information.
1: Absolutely. So yes, XR is mixed reality. And it refers to... It's a bit, con- it's a bit ambiguous because it can refer to AR by itself or VR by itself and sort of the collective term for those, those two experiences. And at the same time, it can refer to the joint experience of both. So a lot of people see the future of the space being a combination of the two. So if you have a pair of glasses that uh, sort of puts digital stuff onto the real world, if you just turn that up all the way to a full digital experience, you get to VR because it's completely virtual. And uh, the same with VR. If you... All of the latest VR headsets have a capability called pass-through, which lets the real world through via the cameras on the headset and then lets you overlay digital experiences on top of the real world. And yeah, so basically from both sides of the the spectrum, they're converging into a single device for both experiences is anyone working on a device like
0: that i I, i'm just so new to it i have so many questions already we should get back to the interview but yeah is anyone in the lead working on this
1: well uh yeah so there's microsoft on the HoloLens, which is primarily an ar device but it can also switch uh to fully virtual and then you have the all, all the new standalone headsets so for example the Oculus Quest headset or the MetaQuest headset, the Pico headset, the HTC Vive Focus 3, they all have cameras on board, which means that you can now do this uh, pass-through capability of letting in the real, ro- real world and then overlaying virtual experiences on top of that. And uh, the leading company in the race, it's its unclear, it's probably going to be Meta because they're investing so much and they have a, a headset coming out soon. But there's also rumors of Apple bringing out a a promising headset soon.
0: Clearly, it's not your first podcast, Yos. But let's get back to what we're talking about here today, which is virtual work. Uh, you know, when you th- when I think of personally, when I think of uh, VR AR, I kind of go straight to my FIFA Ultimate Team days or NHL, where I was kind of playing games, but. These, these technologies have all sorts of utility, and today we're talking about work. In 2020, the workplace already looks way different than what we could have imagined just a couple of years ago uh, as a result of COVID. Now, you know, virtual reality and the metaverse promise to bring whole new levels of social connectedness, mobility, and collaboration to a world of virtual work. Can you help me outline some of the major ways uh, the metaverse might reshape the world of work, not just gaming?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The metaverse is poised to reshape the world of work in at least four major ways. The first being the sort of most obvious, which is new immersive forms of team collaboration. So if we dive slightly deeper into that, it means instead of having blocks on a screen for your Zoom call, you could actually feel like you're in person standing next to someone or in a group standing next to someone whiteboarding or doing a design thinking workshop. Uh, no matter where you are in the world. That's number one. Then the second, the second way this will reshape the world work is the emergence of new digital AI-enabled colleagues. So that's also one of the nice things about the digital world is that it's easier to have these AI-enabled beings uh, roam around in there versus having to build a, a physical robot in the real world. Uh, and then the third, the third way in which it'll reshape is acceleration of sort of training and um, uh, learning new skills through visualization and gamifying technologies. And the fourth is the eventual rise of the metaverse economy, which will create uh, completely new lines of business and uh, work roles.
0: All right, this also opens up new possibilities to rethink how how the office and the work environment work. What comes to mind when you think about how the work environment is going to change.
1: One of the key ways is that there's really you, you can do anything in the digital in the digital world at a much much less expensive cost. Or Lord, let me redo that. <laughs> you can uh, you can do anything in VR at a fraction of the cost. So one of the core things is your office can be anything that you want it to be. It doesn't have to be drab, uniform. Uh, or just sort of boring. It can be in any location, even a location that doesn't exist in the real world, which is fantastic. And then also our work colleagues in the metaverse will not be limited to the avatars of our real world colleagues. As I mentioned before, it will uh, also have this sort of mix of AI, um, AI-generated assistance. that's gonna be human-like bots that, that work and roam around with us in the metaverse. So
0: like Jarvis with Iron Man. Yeah. Okay. As organizations look to a post-pandemic future, you know, many people are planning a kind of hybrid virtual model that's going to combine um, the new notion of remote work with some time spent in the office. Uh, How can companies boost employee engagement with things you mentioned like gamification, uh, virtual reality, and augmented reality?
1: So I think one core thing to notice here is with the recent sequence of events is that people are starting to feel less and less engaged at work uh, and it's significantly impacting employee retention. And we see this every day from customers who come to us and complain about the problem. Uh, And really, as a result, it's easier than ever for people to change jobs in this this new world because they have nothing to stay for in the remote or hybrid company. Um, and even when people don't change job, jobs, you get um, what's now sort of become a popular term, which is quiet quitting. And uh, basically what this means is it's more important than ever for hybrid and remote, and remote companies to find ways to make teammates feel connected to their team, to really build that interpersonal trust. Uh, because it's with that interpersonal trust that the team becomes more, reta- uh, more productive and as a result, retention would then be higher. And you, this trust, I, I think we've only realized this during the pandemic, but this trust isn't built during actual work time. So if you're spending time on a Zoom call, that doesn't necessarily help with this, like building of interpersonal trust, but it usually, it used to happen through casual interactions in the workday at the office. And I'll slide it a quick tease here, but that's basically where VR can play a huge role Uh, In bringing back these spontaneous, casual interactions. So, with VR and with gamifications, you really have the ability to one make people feel like they're in the same location instead of having them share boxes on a screen or sorry stare at boxes on a screen. And two, you can interact and play with people in a physical way uh, instead of just clicking a mouse. This means it's 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 easier and less awkward for employees to share casual experiences and to share memories that really build that interpersonal trust needed in the workplace. And yeah, I guess, closing thought here is really that VR can act as a medium for having a remote company break room, sort of like the ping pong table for remote teams. And, uh, and really also enable collaboration that feels like you're in person.
0: Okay, you mentioned how the office might be changing, how employee engagement might be improved with with tools and experiences in a virtual world. And you you know you mentioned having these these ping pong tables, this, this virtual ping pong table for for the for the virtual office. What does this mean for the employee experience? How does that change compared to what we had you know before COVID in this new hybrid virtual work mo- model?
1: I think there, there's a couple of ways in which this this changes. First, being sort of I guess the same as what I mentioned before, with most of it going virtual. But the problem is it can't just go 2D virtual because that's not, nobody likes or everyone sort of has Zoom fatigue or is tired of Zoom happy hours. There needs to be some break to the the monotony. And you also need something that I guess allows for a better sense of presence and just a mechanism for sharing memories as a team or sharing experiences. And what we found so far is that Short, uh, short of flying everyone out to the same location, VR is by far the best solution to do this for remote teams. And really what we've seen is that creating an exceptional employee experience has become essential for companies that want to recruit and retain talented people. A positive employee experience contributes to the well-being of, employee, of employees and as a result to the motivate to the motivation and productivity of that team as well. And many of the big software companies have made employee experience central to their enterprise software. So, examples here are Microsoft, Oracle, Workday, and SAP.
0: Can you expand on that? What, what, how do they do employee experience better than others?
1: As part of their products, they roll out employee experience tools that help other companies manage this better. So, basically, all of the like your Microsoft teams has made a heavy effort of making the whole remote employee experience better.
0: I use Teams, uh, but okay. Looking beyond engagement now to performance, you mentioned earlier training and developing of skills in the in a virtual world. How could the metaverse or a, a, a virtual world play into kind of improved skill development?
1: Training in VR has been big since the start. The, the main reason is that if you're... If you're looking at a lecture of, even in real life, if you're just going through a lecture of someone teaching you a skill or telling you how it should be done, it's, you're going to struggle a lot more to retain that information versus having to do it yourself. I think a good example is like math classes as well or math lectures where instead of just listening or seeing how the problem is solved, you actually have to solve it yourself. There's a bunch of other courses or study Yeah, courses or lectures or things that you want to learn that you can't do in in the same easy way as trying to solve a math problem yourself, because either it's dangerous or it's dangerous to replicate the uh, lesson, or it's just too costly. So examples here would be uh, firefighters training to uh, extinguish, I guess, a difficult fire, or police officers training to deal with tricky scenarios, uh, or even chemistry students trying to study or learn what different chemical um, chemical compounds would do. Uh, in all of these scenarios, if you have a virtual environment where you could replicate everything and do it yourself, because you're fully immersed in that experience and actually going through the, the real simulation, it's much easier to retain and it's also much quicker to learn. And yeah, the metaverse could revolutionize training and skills and development drastically compressing the time needed to develop and acquire new skills. And while it's still in its early stages, the emergent metaverse provides an opportunity for enterprise enterprises to reset the balance in hybrid and remote work to recapture the spontaneity, interactivity, and fun of team-based working and learning, while maintaining the flexibility, productivity, and convenience of working from home.
0: OK, so sounds like a lot of opportunities, a lot of reasons to get excited about the metaverse. How are companies preparing themselves for the metaverse, and what can we expect to see in in the sort of the next stage, or what's happening next in the arrival of the metaverse?
1: Companies have started creating custom spaces in the metaverse that give users a taste of the culture of the company, and and many of these companies are procuring headsets for their teams as an alternative medium for work and communication. So, for example, Accenture recently bought sixty thousand headsets for their team. A couple of other teams, for example, Trello, the entire team has headsets. And, and many remote teams have fully embraced VR as a break from the monotony of video conferencing. And the first thing we'll see happening with the arrival of the metaverse is that remote companies will fully adopt this for their employee experience and culture. A way for people to connect that is more immersive and engaging than 2D video calls and basically, as the hardware improves, we'll see more and more time being spent in VR that's, to, that's focused on collaboration productivity. And that, with that being said, many people are, are actually already using it for collaboration and work. But the headsets are still, or the hardware still needs a bit of improvement before it becomes an 8-hour-a-day or 16-hour-a-day kind of tool.
0: Can you give us uh, the elevator pitch? Yeah, how, what, what do you say about Remyo?
1: Yeah, sure. So, Remio improves employee retention and extends corporate culture to remote and hybrid teams. We leverage VR to make remote team interactions feel like they are in person, and in doing so, be more meaningful and memorable.
0: What's the origin story? I know we talked about how your company kind of got started, but did you have one insight or aha moment that, that led you to starting Remio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still actually surprised to this day that no one else has had that aha moment, but, uh, yeah, hopefully no one takes it. The uh, So basically, the, the first thing that happened after deciding that we want to get deeper into the space is uh, we said, hey, we're, we're very into productivity, so let's build these collaboration tools that's going to help teams become more productive. And we, d- we immediately, the sort of the lean way of doing a startup, we immediately tested it with customers, which are companies. And from the very first interactions, it was very noticeable with the customers that the thing they really appreciated about this technology or solution was the social sense of presence and not so much necessarily the collaboration tool or the VR side of it. And that's really where it clicked for us. Like, Hey, these devices are really, really good at letting people have fun, social experiences. Let's leverage that to get all these corporate teams into the door, into the metaverse, and then use that as our Trojan horse uh, for eventually selling our very sticky collaboration tools into these corporate teams, and yeah, so far so good.
0: Talk about the timing, like why now and not you know two years ago or two years from now? Why is now the right timing for Remeo?
1: One, we were extremely lucky in a sense, although I, uh, in a sense with the timing. So I know this is probably a bit uh, crass to say, but COVID obviously helped us a lot with the um, with speeding up the whole remote workforce. Uh, shift and then the second thing is that we're really at the uh precipice or like the the culmination point with xr and the advances in hardware and it's just increased or the the hardware is uh getting more and more effective at a a astonishing pace and um it's good i guess To be as early as we are, because we'll be ready when the hardware is ready. And we're sort of helping it advance along as well with our partnerships with some of the the bigger companies.
0: Cool. Well, we'll talk about partnerships. And yeah, I don't think it's crass, but it is maybe convenient, the timing. Uh, You were getting into this right before COVID started. So right before we all got pushed into our homes and working remote. (laughs) So timing looks to be on your side. How about the people behind your company? Tell us about your team.
1: Love the team. And again, we were very, very lucky with the people we were able to hire in the early days. Our team is fully remote. So we use the product ourselves a lot. We actually have a session in VR every day, uh, not only for fun, but also for collaboration. And we're a team of 12 at the moment. And everyone's pretty much in a different country. So we have someone in Ukraine, someone in South Africa, someone in Canada. Yeah, really just all over, with uh, the headquarters being based in San Francisco, USA.
0: Take me in it. I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, eating your own dog food, so to speak, I kind of want to know what that looks like on a daily basis. Um, is it a, a virtual room, uh, with a whiteboard and you can all write on the whiteboard T- take me through the experience of like how you use your, uh, how you personally use Remio.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a daily standup in our team, um, because everyone's, uh, in a different country, we try to sync up like evening European time. So 8am, uh, Pacific time. And what we'll do is the whole team uh, gets into VR. We have our Remyo our private HQ. And in this, let's say, the Remyo metaverse that we have for our company, uh, there's a bunch of like different worlds or campuses or um, mansions, if you will, that we can go to. Every day we pick a different one and we go to a spot. It's not always the same spot in the place, but we will just have... Um, a quick update from everyone. Sometimes someone will share their screen into VR to like actually demonstrate or show us code of what they have done. Um, We won't actually be using the whiteboard that often. Our whiteboard and 3D drawing sessions are actually used when we do planning for some of the features. So we'll actually go and draw those out um, in like a, a specific meeting planned for doing planning on a feature. And yeah, then typically after one of these sessions, so at least twice a week after one of these random standups, uh, sorry, daily standups, we will go do, in, go do some fun team activities. So whether that's getting revenge in paintball or hide and seek or uh, defending our tower in tower defense, there's a bunch of random stuff that we then get up to just fun team. Oh, the, the best memory I have is actually <laughs> after one standup, this was right after uh, implementing the uh, jumping feature. So Avatar is Couldn't to jump in VR, you have to physically jump in real life, but it's a bit tricky, um, because you can't jump as high as you really want to. So we implemented a jump feature, uh, with the controller. And the first thing we did as a team was to sort of build a human ladder. So then the whole team tried to build just as high as we could to see what we can reach with this human ladder. But yeah, it was actually a, a fun little experience.
0: Who builds mansions? Like, are you building your mansions?
1: Yeah, great question. So we build the first few of them that we have in our platform. Um, And really what they are, are just a bunch of 3D assets stuck together in a nice way. Um, (laughs) uh, No no 3D artist is listening to me, but yeah. So it's just, it's a 3D model of whatever space you can conjure up in your imagination. And we build them ourselves. We sometimes have uh, companies or customers of ours who, Give us their own. So they've either developed it themselves or they've outsourced it to have another 3D team uh, create some 3D world. Uh, And yeah, then we import it into our system and our multiplayer networking and avatar system, physics, all of that then gets merged into that 3D world. And Bob's your uncle.
0: And I'm so new to this. Is there like a file type for 3D worlds? Are you build like what are you building it in? It's not in you're not writing it in like python but you might be using some kind of tool so how do you do that
1: yeah um everyone has their weapon of choice so uh, popular tools are blender and maya for making the actual 3d assets and then you have unity and unreal for sort of uh bringing those assets into the the game space or the app space and we use unity um and we use a bunch of other 3D 3D tools for getting everything done. Um, but yeah.
0: Can you talk about your technology stack and like what kind of choices you have to make early on?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll I'll try to keep it high level. Feel free to to ask me if you want to dive a bit deeper. I'll I'll keep it on in terms of what our customers need and the choices we made as a result. So the first one is that most of our users are first-time VR users or we we are the first VR experience that they experience so we have to make it uh, extremely accessible to all skill levels and um, yeah basically that 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 led a lot of the sort of design thinking around what customers see the first time and and what interactions what um, uh, user controls they have the second thing is uh, group size so for most VR games there's a limitation to about eight players, maybe even down to four players if it's a multiplayer game. Because uh, on these new standalone headsets, and even on uh, headsets that plug into computers, it's really hard to render a lot of avatars because avatars are pretty expensive, especially if they're networked. Um, They're computationally very expensive. And we had to... So since most of our customers come in groups of 15-plus um, we had to work on that very hard at the start so our avatars are, are highly highly optimized uh, we can fit 120 people in a single instance so all of them network in a single same room uh, and i'm not aware of any other vr app out there that can do the same amount on the quest 2 headset then number three is many of our customers need both um, they They come for a fun experience, but they also want some form of collaboration tools. So let's say they're doing an offsite. They want to do a presentation before everyone goes off and just has fun. And we're one of the only apps to combine the sort of the fun, immersive physics with uh, your collaboration tools like presentation features, whiteboards and screen sharing. And we make it really, really easy to switch between these modes and to switch them on and off in your experience. and then lastly, also, not all people can always have access to a VR headset. That's obviously one uh, big problem. So we actually we will send out headsets if people don't have them. But the other, the other thing we also do is we have a, a Windows app and a web app for people to, um, to see what's happening in VR from the 2D world.
0: Talk about some of the key milestones that you've achieved uh, to this point along your journey.
1: Yeah, I'd say the one I'm most proud of is the customers we've served. So we've served a lot of notable customers, uh, I would say probably Fortune 2000 companies, uh, the likes of Google, Netflix, Oracle, and HubSpot. The second thing is we raised the round of funding earlier this year, 4.5 million in the seed round. And then also the other one I'm pretty proud of is we've had 11 events now of 200 plus people at the same time, which is also always With crazy, uh, but lots of fun.
0: Uh, All virtual, right? I thought you said 120 was kind of the limit.
1: Yeah, so sorry, I should uh, clarify that. 120 is the limit of people in a single room. So uh, the most people you can see at once in one of our VR spaces is 120. But we can duplicate those spaces to have up to 10,000 people in the same server. So 10,000 people online at the same time, they can mix and match what rooms they go into but the rooms can only be 120 people at a time.
0: Can you talk about the roadmap? What kind of exciting things are you working on and, and where is this headed?
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot on our plate, maybe a bit too much for our current team. <laughs> the, the core thing we're working on at the moment that I'm excited about is new. We're redesigning our avatars to be more professional, more expressive, and even more optimized. So we're hoping to get to actually 200 people in the same room pretty soon. And then some other really exciting things that are coming up are uh, is, well, is our move into uh, more of an AR or XR um, focused, I guess, avenue. So there will be a couple of mixed reality features that we're going to make use of to make people more comfortable with the whole new experience and also um, use their surroundings as part of the experience.
0: Cool. Okay, let's move on. We only have a couple minutes to talk about the business. Who's your ideal customer and how are you building awareness among those people?
1: So our ideal customer is going to be remote or hybrid companies who are in the knowledge work work industry, and they have more than a thousand employees. And the way we really get in front of these companies is we host webinars and free metaverse events for their innovation teams. So they typically have some innovation team who's looking into the metaverse and yeah, we will, we will get in touch with them and show them Remio.
0: Great. Uh, all right. Let's kind of do these rapidly. That was a great answer. Uh, how about go-to-market strategy? What is it? What's your go-to-market?
1: Our go-to-market is land and expand. So we'll typically start with a single team in a company. Uh, and then word of mouth quickly spreads us throughout the company And when we have about more than five teams, we'll start engaging with the senior leaders at the company or the HR leaders for an enterprise deal.
0: You mentioned partnerships earlier. Have you managed to build any exciting partnerships and with whom?
1: Yeah, so obviously with all of the the hardware uh, providers, so this is Meta, Pico, and HTC. Very happy to be working with them. And then more excitingly, I guess, on the software front, we have a feature where you can hop between, you can travel or teleport between different metaverses in VR using our portal system. So basically any third party app, whether it's uh, a new game or a golf game or some collaboration tool from, for example, meta, you can link that into our app and then take your whole team into that new new experience from within Remio. And to that end, we partnered with a company called Golf Plus, with Noda, with Better Than Unicorns, and with FedEx to make very smooth integrations for their software pieces.
0: Cool. Talk about your business model and how you make money.
1: So we charge annual subscriptions for our enterprise deals. And this will basically give the company permanent access to their corporate break room and regular hosted events.
0: Okay, closing questions here. What would you say is unique about Remio? What makes you stand out from the crowd?
1: Good question. The main one that pops into my head is that we're the only tool for fun team events in VR. So you get a bunch of tools that are good for team collaboration, but they're not necessarily fun. In my my head, they're a little bit boring. And then you get a lot of fun uh, VR apps, but they're made for consumer gamers. So if you're a team, it's really, really hard to self-organize and you don't have the level of security that you, that you really need or security that a lot of these companies need. And yeah, so basically I'd say that di- we, we combine an easy team management system with VR physics and highly optimized tech to allow for these large fun team events.
0: How about challenges? You know, you have some experience as, as a, is it okay to call you a serial entrepreneur?
1: I don't, no, I don't think so. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, well, you have some entrepreneurial experiences, more than one, right? Maybe not serial, but you're thinking about it. What are some of the challenges you face as a founder that keeps you up at night?
1: It definitely changes uh, throughout your sort of startup journey. I must say, I think it's, that's part of the, the, maybe the skill or talent you have to learn as a founder is not to have a lot of these things keep you up at night
0: well yeah think about it i just want to say that's a that's an interesting answer you have to you have to be because i, I asked this question a lot i've never heard back like you gotta you gotta be able to live with the challenges and get to bed because you got to get up the next day
1: um, yeah <laughs> yeah it's actually funny like i noticed it felt like the phd that i did actually was a, a little primer in that lesson because with a phd the one thing everyone faces is the uncertainty of hey, what is my thesis actually going to end up being at the end? And when you then start a startup after, the, or when I started the startup after that, I realized like, whoa, this is a whole different level of the problem. Because at least with a PhD, you have like a time window, you have a supervisor to tell you, hey, like this is the general direction. But with a startup, it's like, wow. <laughs> like I could do anything and it could take any amount of time. So it's a very open-ended problem. And you have to learn to like deal with that uncertainty. And um, and yeah, sorry, coming back to the original question, that's probably, it's it's probably uh, linked to that idea in my head as well, you have to, um, the thing that would keep us up at night is the founders up at night, is sort of the, the stress of like, is this going to work out? Uh, like, when are we going to die? How do we not die? And um, Yeah, I don't have a good good solution for it. I'm still working on it. But I hear that, like, I've heard other podcasts from famous founders, like, for example, Eric from Zoom. And I'm surprised to hear that he has the same kind of concerns. It's just like, every day he wakes up and thinks, how do we not die today? Which is mind blowing to me for a company like Zoom.
0: All right, any last minute predictions for the future of work and enterprise when it comes to virtual reality and the metaverse?
1: Yeah, so crazy, crazy prediction I have is that, uh, well, let me start here. Computer monitors are really big, and they actually cost more than a VR headset. And, and my prediction is that in the future, these glasses will be so small and of such high quality that you'd pretty much be able to take your office, your like entire <laughs> space that you're comfortable working in, wherever you want to go. And it's sort of like carrying an office in your pocket, the same ipod analogy that steve jobs made Um, and you'd actually maybe want to spend time in this because uh, it's going to be one it can be a more fun environment than the real one which is a bit scary but
0: yeah that's that's it okay good one before we get out of here what's the best way for for our listeners to reach you and learn a little bit more about remio
1: listeners can reach out directly to me and my co-founder at uh, founders at remiovr.com
0: great All right, Yoss, we're going to end it there. If you liked our show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating. Thank you, Yoss, for joining the show today. We appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.